Now, if we're talking about vaccinating children, we've learned a lot about immunity. We've learned a lot about the virus and, and what a virus can do and what a vaccine can do. Um, Nowadays, there is a strong demand, specifically from government, to start vaccinating children. What's your stance? What's your view about vaccinating children? Scientifically, there is no rational whatsoever to, to vaccinate children. And uh, I can explain this in, in a moment, but let's maybe first touch up on uh, the safety of the vaccination, which is not my uh, field of expertise, of course, I'm very familiar with uh, safety issues with vaccines, but um, I've deliberately decided uh, to especially focus on the consequences of uh, vaccinating uh, parts of the population or the whole population, the impact thereof on the evolutionary dynamics of the virus, etc. In, in terms of global health. But um, first of all, it's, it's important to remind people that uh, children have not been part of um, the, the core studies, the core mm -hmm. clinical trials that have been conducted with these vaccines and that have already been criticized for being so short and uh, to some extent um, uh, insufficient, insufficient data. So we, one has to realize that neither children nor, uh, for example, women in childbearing age, nor pregnant women, nor uh, elderly people, nor people who had already contracted the disease have been enrolled in those studies. So we have very, very little, almost no data. It's true that now with regard to children, some studies have been conducted, but these mm -hmm. studies are very superficial, very short. Mm -hmm. To some extent, uh, data are still um, questionable in a sense also that um, some of the parameters that have been used to uh, evaluate the efficacy or, for example, neutralizing antibodies, whereas we know that uh, this is not necessarily a correlate of, uh, of protection. Mm -hmm. uh, there has also not been extensive analysis of side effects, uh, the type of side effects that we are, have already seen in, in older age groups that have already been uh, vaccinated. So. Um, these studies have been really been quick and, and, and dirty. Mm -hmm. So in, in that regard, it is uh, simply uh, unbelievable how one can even think of vaccinating children, knowing that with our conventional vaccines, mm -hmm. it sometimes takes us five to 10 years before we can go into children after having done extensive studies in adult populations under all kinds of circumstances, gathered uh, huge amounts of, of safety data before we vaccinate in children, because mm. we, um, we acknowledge that uh, children are a very vulnerable, very vulnerable population. And uh, especially we are talking about vaccinating of course, healthy children. This is not like treating a disease. This is, uh, this is vaccinating uh, healthy children. So uh, that is a little bit an aside, but uh, it's a very important one because already from a safety viewpoint, it, it can simply not be justified to mm -hmm. vaccinate children uh, with this vaccine based on the very, very, very limited amount of data that we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, so now from an immunological viewpoint, it is, uh, it is a complete nonsense. Okay. So um, the, the problem here is that uh, we know 
that children are extremely well protected against this disease. I mean, in contrast to other diseases like, you know, measles or even polio, where, of course, children are vulnerable. There is also these viruses are different. The immunology, the pathogenesis of the virus is different. And uh, there, yes, there is a need f to vaccinate children mm. because we, 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 we see people uh, uh, or, or the, the, um, the part of the population that primarily contracts those diseases mm. are children. Mm -hmm. This is very, very different with, with Corona, with SARS-CoV-2. We, um, at the beginning, we didn't even see almost any case of mm. uh, disease, let alone severe disease uh, in, in children. Now we are seeing a little bit of disease in children, uh, very, very rarely severe disease. And um, the most plausible explanation is not that the virulence of the virus has changed. Mm. Uh, it is most likely due to the fact that we are now facing a high infectious pressure because we have these highly infectious mm -hmm. variants that are circulating. So when children, for example, in the past, uh, let's say half a year ago, a year ago, contracted uh, the infection, mm -hmm. they didn't develop symptoms, most of them, but what they did develop is uh, short-lived antibodies that b basically disappear after a few weeks. These short-lived antibodies, they can, to some extent, compete with innate antibodies. Innate antibodies, we have already said this, they are mm -hmm. broadly protective, they protect against all the variants, eh? but they cannot cope with high infectious pressure. So when these um, short-lived antibodies uh, reach a certain titer, they can outcompete innate antibodies. Normally that's not a problem because these antibodies disappear after four to six weeks. But if you get re-exposed during mm -hmm. that time frame, you are of course vulnerable. Because the short-lived antibodies that you got from a previous infection as a child where you didn't develop symptoms, mm -hmm. they do not protect. They are short-lived and they are immature. Mm -hmm. But they can bind sufficiently strong to the virus to outcompete innate antibodies. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment you're vulnerable and the likelihood that this happens becomes increasingly higher because we have high infectious pressure due to this high, highly infectious uh, variant circulating. Mm -hmm. So if during that time you get reinfected, you can get a disease and you can, but most, the vast majority of the children will then develop acquired antibodies that will give them lifelong protection. This situation now is very, very different when you vaccinate the children, because now we are no longer talking about antibodies that have low affinity. We are, we are talking about specific antibodies mm -hmm. that bind with relatively high affinity to the virus and that can outcompete much stronger DNA antibodies. This is spe specifically for children a problem because they have plenty of innate antibodies mm -hmm. and that is also the reason why they can pretty well resist the high infectious pressure that we are facing right now because they have plenty of these innate antibodies. So it, it will be difficult for short-lived antibodies to mm -hmm. outcompete all of these antibodies. So that is why they may become ill mm -hmm. but very, very rarely will they even right now mm -hmm. get severe disease. That's different if you vaccinate them, because then you generate antibodies in their body that have higher affinity for the virus that can outcompete the innate antibodies. Mm -hmm. We know the innate antibodies have 
a very important role. Not only pro they protect against a broad spectrum of several different SARS-CoV-2 variants of all the mm. variants, mm. including even other coronaviruses that cause common cold yeah, and, and even viruses like influenza. So taking away this protection mm -hmm. will make them more vulnerable, not only to SARS-CoV-2 and all kinds of variants, mm -hmm but also to other infectious diseases in uh, respiratory viruses like for example um, the common cold like mm. for example influenza and we also know and this is very very important that uh, these uh, innate antibodies protect have a protective role uh, they protect against autoimmunity they are self-protective mm -hmm. so by uh, diminishing the functionality by outcompeting these innate antibodies. There is a serious concern that we may end up with really a storm of autoimmune disease uh, in children. So these are all the disadvantages. What is the advantage? What do you get back? You're paying a, you could be paying a huge price. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you get in return? What you get in return are these bloody vaccinal antibodies, mm. which we know the virus becomes increasingly resistant against because they are so specific and we are dealing with a virus that is very different from the one that was targeted by the vaccine, mm. namely the Wuhan strain. And so we generate a situation where especially children with their naive innate antibodies will tremendously suffer in a sense that we will largely outcompete their mm -hmm. innate antibodies that protect against a number of diseases, including also autoimmune disease. And we give them in return mm -hmm. something which is almost useless because it does no longer protect against the circulating, the, the dominant circulating strain. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, that is, of course, that is, of course, very problematic, mm -hmm. cannot be justified. And the problem is I and also others are raising very serious concerns. We are not, not saying it is going to happen, this is reality, etc. But it is, it is based on sound mm. scientific grounds. Our concerns are based on sound scientific grounds. Mm. And guess what? None of these potential issues, concerns have been addressed in any kind mm. of study on children. The likelihood of getting infected with other respiratory viruses that mm. normally cause infection in children, but never disease. Mm -hmm. Flu is not a childhood disease. Yeah. It can infect children, but it's not a disease, etc. Mm. Nor have auto, uh, the, the increased incident, potential increased incidence of autoimmunity been studied. So there's a number of things that have not yeah. simply not been studied. And, and, and this together with all the unknowns with regard to the side effects, we have to come to the conclusion that this cannot be justified. There is no added value whatsoever mm. for children. There is only major concerns mm. and, and, and major risks. So, in, in short, to summarize, if I understand correctly, and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, um, there is not enough, if not to say not so ever, um, any information um, about what it can do, mid-term, long-term with our children, but the risks are very real that they might even not be able to cope in an efficient way with a common cold, with influenza, um, with, with any other coronavirus and so on. Worst case, even autoimmune disease might occur. Mm. So is this the moment that uh, the belief better safe than sorry is 
probably the most important belief um, to have here as a parent? Better safe than sorry? Better not vaccinated? Yeah, I cannot, I cannot imagine that if a parent understands only the risk, knowing this could happen, there is mm -hmm. a scientific rational mm -hmm. that, you know, to justify the statement that this is a risk. I cannot, even with, with that kind of imperfect statement, because it's of course not proven, I cannot imagine that any parent mm. would allow to get his child immunized mm. because the opposite is not proven either. But that, that would be much more important mm -hmm. to prove that yeah. there is really no risk. Mm. And the other thing is also that people need to realize that the more we vaccinate children and people who didn't get vaccinated so far, the more we are going to take away mm -hmm. the opportunity to generate herd immunity. Because it's only the people who are not vaccinated mm -hmm. yet that still have the possibility, thanks to their innate immunity or mm -hmm. when they get a disease, thanks to their acquired immunity, mm -hmm. to eliminate the virus, to diminish the infectious pressure uh, in the population. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, will benefit all of us this is not just a public health advantage. At the end of the day, it will benefit all of us. Mm -hmm. So there is the immediate individual aspect of vaccinating children. And there is the global aspect thereof, the global impact on the population, mm -hmm. including, of course, also the children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is just, I, I have no words. I have no mm -hmm. words. Uh, yeah. It's it just surrealistic that is, yeah. is, is even taken Consider. into consideration yeah. and executed upon. I probably know the answer, but I'm just going to ask you the question. Is it like any sound scientific ground to decide to vaccinate a child? Yes or no? I uh, do my best to think about any advantage that mm. this could possibly have, but I can mm. really, you know, based on my knowledge in virology mm. and vaccinology, long-standing expertise mm. in this field, and understanding the disease and understanding the pandemic, mm -hmm. I cannot think of any, any, even slightest uh, advantage. And uh, even if I would be overlooking one or the other advantage, then one still has to consider the risk-benefit ratio. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, as an experienced vaccinologist, do not see any advantage, then the advantage can certainly not be huge. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that the concerns are very, very substantial. Mm -hmm. So we know definitely that the risk-benefit ratio is going in a completely wrong direction. So how on earth can you, with that knowledge, mm -hmm. can you even think mm -hmm. of doing such a thing? It's, I've no other words, this is criminal. And, 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 you know, as a scientist, we don't use these words lightly, right? Mm -hmm. But there is simply no other, other word. And mm -hmm. especially if you then kind of like impose this on people, on, on parents, it's like they, they don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. Now, w what you hear say uh, by virologists, by mainstream media, is like the reason why we get such an infectious pressure is because of the children. It's because the children get infected, they put an enormous pressure um, of the infectious disease on their parents, on their grandparents, on the teachers, 
So that's not true, I guess. Well, you, you hear me saying exactly the opposite, mm -hmm. that when you get vaccinated, there is no chance that you can contribute to herd immunity mm -hmm. because you are, and without any, any kind of discrimination towards vaccinees or unvaccinated, I mean, the, the, the discrimination is just ridiculous. But as a matter of fact, when you are immunized, when you are vaccinated, you exert immune pressure on this virus. You are mm -hmm. not going to eliminate it. On the contrary, you are giving a competitive advantage mm -hmm. to more infectious variants. And you hear me saying that the only hope for us as a population to still start, start, begin to build herd immunity mm -hmm. ought to come from that part of the population that still has some innate or natural immunity. Mm -hmm. Because in both, both cases, as well as innate immunity, as naturally acquired immunity that you build when you recover from the disease, mm -hmm you will be able to eliminate this virus to contribute to sterilizing immunity, mm -hmm. which is, of course, the cornerstone of herd immunity. So it is certainly not true. It's exactly the opposite. Of course, a child that got infected can shed virus. Mm -hmm. So what's the problem? Either that child will become ill and will be in bed and not be a threat to the community, let's say, because it would spread virus, mm -hmm. or it will not have symptoms. It can shed the virus for maybe a few days and it will eliminate the virus because the innate immunity, that's what innate immunity mm -hmm. does. Or it doesn't have any symptoms at all and it will neutralize the virus right away. So these are, I call them very often, especially the children, but also all unvaccinated that are in health, that are healthy. Mm -hmm. I call them the vacuum cleaners. Mm -mm. Because they, they are, they are, they, they only hope this is the only, con the, the only part of the population that is still able mm -hmm. to deal with this virus in a way that infectious pressure and hence the transmission diminishes and opens an opportunity, a small one, because we have already vaccinated mm -hmm. large chunks of the population, to still start to begin to build uh, some, immu some herd immunity. In short, if you have one little short advice for parents that are now doubting, shall I vaccinate my child, yes or no, what would your final piece of advice be? The piece of advice that I will give, uh, I would like to also have it uh, supported by some kind of justification or some kind of statement that makes it, that, that increases the credibility mm -hmm. of my advice. Mm -hmm. And my advice is very, very clear. Under no single circumstance should you allow to get your child vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So under no conditions, under no, under no conditions should your child get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I challenge every expert who is trying to convince you of the opposite, mm -hmm. who is coercing you, who is exerting pressure on you to get your child vaccinated, I challenge any one of them mm -hmm. to debate me and to justify what would be the possible advantage of vaccinating children. Now for those people who are doubting to get a booster shot, a booster jab, um, what could any possible positive reason be to take one? 
There is no benefit of boosters. Uh, there is even no benefit of, uh, of, of the mass vaccination at all and people now getting boosted. The problem is, again, when you get boosted, you recall immediately the antibodies because there is memory. Mm -hmm. And this happens in the context of highly infectious virus circulating. So again, you get the situation where you get high immune pressure in the presence of virus circulating, mm -hmm. it will only it will only expedite the immune escape of the virus. Mm -hmm. And there is this very wrong understanding in, in immunology, unfortunately, well, not in immunology, but in people who think that they understand immunology, the more the better. Mm -hmm. uh, vaccination, immunization is a message to the immune system. Mm -hmm. It's like the traffic light turns green. You have seen the message, you go. Mm -hmm. You don't wait like a minute for the traffic light. It's, so it is just a message. When you got that mes message, you mm -hmm. go. Right? So here people think that the more antibodies, the better it will be. The problem is the quality of the antibodies that do no longer match the spike protein mm -hmm. of the circulating virus. Even if this would help to boost the antibodies, we know that the decay of the antibodies is very fast. So anyway, after one or two weeks, you would again end up in a situation where you have low antibody titers. So it is not going to have any benefit. On the contrary, mm -hmm. you are again at risk of developing side effects as, you know, every vaccine injection and that is certainly not different for, for this type of vaccines, can cause side effects. The immunological benefit is nil, on the contrary, is going to expedite immune escape. I was about to ask you a question more like a selfish, selfish question, like, okay, I understand um, now, thanks to your answer, that this is the case for public health, but what about me personally? Um, won't I lose my protection? But what I understand from you is that I might lose these, these antibodies and I might, as an individual, not be protected either against the virus, correct? Yeah, and, 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 and by the way, uh, the, the dramatic situation is that we, we don't get this pandemic under control because we cannot block transmission. Mm -hmm. So um, it's uh, sad to say, but uh, you will be boosted anyway because the virus is circulating mm -hmm. at you know, high frequency. You, you will be automatically exposed, uh, exposed to the virus. So uh, I, I don't see any benefit also from an individual viewpoint uh, to get, to get uh, boosted. So what it can do is that for a short period of time, maybe a couple of weeks, you can induce a non-specific non effect of the vaccine that can to some extent, that to, to some extent help your protection against the disease, against the disease, against severe disease. Mm -hmm. But that will wane very, very soon. And uh, what we do you will call soon? Sorry? Like two weeks, three weeks, two yeah, months, six I months? I think it, it, it could easily take maybe a f yeah, two weeks or that the beneficial effect would hold mm -hmm. for, for example, two, two, three weeks. But it's non specific mm -hmm. and it's transient. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so that is not that is not going to help. I mean, vaccination. The purpose is to induce a memory, to induce a protection that is long-lived, that is lasting. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, you could as well 
take just some adjuvants or some immune stimulators, mm -hmm. uh, that would be probably better and have less risk than uh, taking the full vaccine. Uh, so, yeah, okay. even so on an individual basis, there's no advantage. And, and whether I boost myself with an extra jab, yes or no, um, that will not have an impact on, on me contributing to the next wave and the next wave and the next wave. There's no, no relationship. If we are going to massively, and that is the plan, to mm -hmm. massively boost people, as mm -hmm. I was saying, if it is not already happening, it's just going to expedite mm -hmm. immune escape. So it, it, it will promote even uh, the propagation of more infectious. So in that sense, yes, I mean, it will mm -hmm. expedite uh, the surgence mm -hmm. of, uh, of the next wave. Uh, but the problem is always, is always the same. We can boost, you can have elevated uh, titers of antibodies, but uh, none of this, none of this help helps to block the transmission mm. of the virus. So mm. we will not control, it is the pandemic, yeah. it will uh, at most, I think, just expedite uh, okay. the spread of, uh, the spread of, of more infectious, more mm. infectious variants. Yeah. Mm. Now I've taken my first two jabs, for instance, and, and I'm doubting about the booster jab now. Is it like being on a train? Can I still get off? If I took the first ones, can I at this train station get off and not take a booster without suffering? I don't know what kind of consequences or is it, is it once I've been on this train, I can never ever get off of it. Well, so it might be worthwhile yeah. to get the jab anyway. That is where the, uh, the interesting situation that is currently happening comes in, namely the Omicron, mm -hmm. where we see um, substantial resistance uh, to denutralizing antibodies, to your vaccinal antibodies. Mm -hmm. So this is a quite unique situation where all of a sudden the vaccinal antibodies don't do their job anymore. They don't recognize anymore the parts of the virus that are responsible, in fact, for the viral infectivity, infectiousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, so because they don't bind anymore or only very weakly, mm -hmm. again, the innate antibodies have a chance to come back and to do the job, to do a perfect job. So this is now a unique situation where thanks to the resistance mm -hmm. of Omicron, we are freeing up again the innate antibodies even in the vaccinees mm -hmm. which is unusual because you heard me saying all the time that mm -hmm. they are outcompeted but if they can't bind they can't outcompete so this is a unique opportunity where the innate immune defense of the vaccinees could be restored and could be recovered mm -hmm. so we can only we can only only if we vaccinate, if we continue the vaccination against Omicron, will we completely uh, destroy this, uh, this opportunity. So yes, this is a unique chance right now. Okay, so the opportunity of Omicron should invite us rather to absolutely not get a booster jab rather than get a booster jab. Well, I don't think if it is, uh, if it is this exactly the same vaccine, it will not make a big difference because mm. Omicron is resistant anyway. Mm. But why would you do this? There is absolutely no mm. benefit, maybe a transient benefit for, for, for two or three weeks. But at the same time, you're mm. still incurring the risk of uh, having side effects. It's yeah. always possible and it's not negligible with these uh, vaccines. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, so the, the message is really let, let leave, leave people alone mm -hmm. and let this virus spread. Mm -hmm. so that we can acquire 
herd immunity as soon as possible because remember now the vaccines can contribute as well mm -hmm. to herd immunity because mm -hmm. their innate immunity is restored and innate immunity can induce it's a sterilizing immunity okay. so that's a, u yeah. a unique opportunity mm. now, we, now we cannot mess it up now what do you do then about governments worldwide that are already placing orders with vaccine uh, manufacturers for an omicron specific booster jab because that will solve all the problems then because that's specifically designed for omicron no this is my biggest fear the uh, i think the a boost with the current vaccine uh, besides uh, your potential exposure to, to, to side effects uh, is not going to make a big difference because at the end of the day it's, uh, it's the same vaccine and uh, it won't change a lot. It will just uh, boost your, uh, your antibodies, will, which will be of very little benefit and uh, this, this boost may, may maybe have a transient effect of uh, two or three weeks. However, vaccinating take uh, against Omicron is a very different story in a sense that um, this virus has already done a tremendous job in changing and in introducing mutations in the site that is responsible, the site on the virus that is the receptor binding site that is responsible for docking on the susceptible host cell. Mm -hmm. and. Um, so if we are now going uh, to vaccinate against Omicron, it may well be, and according to my humble opinion, it's very likely that instead of adding additional mutations to that site that is already highly mutated, that the virus will do a simple mutation just to allow itself to enter into the susceptible cell via another receptor on the cell. Mm -hmm. And we know already that, that uh, SARS-CoV-2 can do this. Mm -hmm. We know that the AC2 receptor on the cell mm -hmm. is not the only receptor that the virus can use to enter into the cell. But it is true that the virus uh, that does this uh, has a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. So it, it won't take the virus, uh, you know, a lot of time or energy to introduce a mutation that is now able to use another receptor on the cell. Mm -hmm. Once that was already used before, but that was not privileged, if you like. Mm -hmm. If that happens, we end up with a situation where the antibodies can still strongly bind to that receptor binding site, but it has no effect because the, the, the virus will no longer use that previous receptor binding site to mm. enter into the cell. It will use another domain mm. on its surface to enter into the cell. Mm -hmm. So we end up, then we end up with a virus that strongly binds antibodies, but these antibodies cannot neutralize the virus. And that is really almost like a school example, a recipe for antibody-dependent enhancement, a phenomenon that is very well known by, um, as, as, as uh, uh, antibodies that bind to the virus cannot neutralize it, but that enhance the pathogenicity and the virulence of the virus. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it has the effect of an, uh, a more virulent virus because mm -hmm. it expedites the, the, mm -hmm. the, the course of the disease. And so uh, if we are going to allow this, uh, it is, in fact, very clear that uh, this will, of course, occur 
in, in people who get vaccinated, that we will end up with a situation where not the human immune system, but where the virus will now do a selection of the human population in favor at the advantage mm -hmm. of those who have still preserved their innate immunity. Okay, so so if I understand correctly, it's like the, the, the virus in the meantime becoming, if you could call it that way, a killer virus, real killer virus? It becomes more virulent. Well, that is the effect. The virulence mm -hmm. genes don't need to change, but because mm -hmm. it is loaded, mm -hmm. loaded with these antibodies that cannot neutralize it, it can enter into the cells and mm -hmm. manifest its, its, its symptoms much faster and mm -hmm. in a more, you know, in, in, in a more pronounced way. So the symptoms will be coming faster, the symptoms will be more severe, and I hear you say that will be specifically more the case for people that already have been vaccinated. Is that correct? Well, I'm saying for those people who now would get vaccinated with the Omicron vaccine, okay. whether you have been previously vaccinated or not, it doesn't oh. change. I mean, okay. all these operations were, mm. have, didn't have any added value. Yeah. All the effect that we have gotten from the mass vaccination mm -hmm. is that we have been breeding more infectious variants. Mm -hmm. The latest example of which is the Omicron. What is your last piece of advice to people now wondering, shall I get a booster jab, yes or no, based on your scientific insights? Yeah. Under no condition, but as I was saying, uh, getting a booster jab right now with the, uh, with the Wuhan vaccine is probably not going to change a lot, just that it is completely useless and just that it, uh, you may still be uh, at mm. risk of side effects. Mm. My biggest problem, the, the biggest catastrophe that could happen is when we now start vaccination against Omicron. Mm -hmm. That is my biggest concern and that is the reason why I'm going to call again on the WHO mm -hmm. to uh, make them aware of uh, the detrimental consequences that this could have and for which they will sooner or later be held accountable. Okay, so never ever get vaccinated against Omicron. Yeah, N and never, never ever vaccinate, you know, large chunks of the population. Can I ask you, Geert, um, what is the reason why we should listen to you? Because in mainstream media we see a lot of virologists or scientists, always the same kind of people. So why would it be that we have to listen to you? What do you have to offer uh, extra? Um, or what is your competency that you bring to the table in this entire discussion? Hmm. Well, I think there is no, not that many people that can tap into this kind of uh, multidisciplinary uh, expertise. I had the opportunity during my career to touch up on several different fields uh, like uh, virology, uh, immunology, uh, also zoonosis, for example. Uh, where you study the transmission of uh, uh, infectious diseases from animals uh, to humans, uh, also vaccinology, uh, epidemiology. And uh, as a matter of fact, we find out that the uh, pandemic is a very complex uh, phenomenon. It's also an evolutionary phenomenon 
where all these different disciplines uh, are involved and uh, where it is uh, really very important in terms of understanding the evolutionary dynamics of the pandemic to uh, have a good understanding uh, not only of the different uh, disciplines but also how they match together uh, to, to, really, to really offer uh, solutions to the many questions or answers to the many questions that we are having, many, many questions, many uh, that are un unanswered uh, simply because people um, don't have the expertise uh, to match the different pieces of the puzzle uh, together. So, uh, as I was saying, I had the opportunity during my career because I switched quite often to several different branches of uh, the, the life science uh, to uh, yeah, to tap and 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 to acquire uh, relevant expertise in 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 all these uh, in all these domains, and uh, so I worked for quite a long time in academia, uh, mainly on uh, virology, uh, but also on zoonosis, and then I switched to the vaccine industry. So I know very well. I'm very familiar with the uh, mentality and with um, the. Um, the operation mode in the in the in the vaccine industry, but uh, I also worked for Global Health, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Gavi, where uh, the focus is 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 really on uh, global health uh, problems. Uh, a lot of these problems also occurring in uh, developing countries, and uh, of course within that context, uh, pandemics and preparedness to pandemics is very very important. So I felt uh, completely prepared to diving into this uh, field and to contributing uh, to finding solutions and analyzing basically uh, what this uh, pandemic is about. Now, Geert, you know there's a lot of headwind, right? You get deplatformed, you get censored, um, you get fact checkers all all over you. What, what keeps you going despite all of that? Well, what keeps me going is my uh, deep uh, conviction that uh, the way I have been analyzing this and the conclusions that I have drawn from my in-depth analysis uh, make perfectly sense and that they make sense at least to an extent uh, that they should be heard. And I've been well prepared, in fact, to tackle this type of problems because this has been part of the kind of activities that I've been doing over the last 10, 20, 30 years. And on top of this, since this is also, uh, as a scientific phenomenon, very, very interesting, I have taken a deep dive since uh, end of last year, beginning this year, to further analyze in detail, because this is a complex interplay between uh, the virus and the host at a population level. So um, I analyzed this further in detail and came to the conclusion that the predictions that I made uh, would necessarily come out, that there would be no way that these predictions would not, would not apply. And uh, because of this deep conviction, um, I've been uh, continuing what I have been doing, despite uh, all kinds of criticism, because I realized uh, very early on that people who were criticizing me uh, did not have any, any kind of expertise that was comparable to the, the kind of expertise that I have. The arguments uh, were very often not scientifically uh, sound, so it was also very easy to, uh, to reject them. 
So in fact, the fact that I've been fact-checked by people or got a lot of criticism has not affected, uh, affected my intentions or my conviction at all because uh, the level of this criticism was just way, way below uh, the level of expertise that I've gathered in this field. And um, so when I came out with my predictions and with my calls to all these health organizations, etc., I was very, very, very convinced that uh, the shortcomings that I was highlighting were perfectly justified and uh, that it was perfectly justified to really beg and urge uh, the public health and global health authorities for, uh, for an in-depth uh, debate, on, uh, especially on, on, on the sense or the nonsense of the mass vaccination campaigns. Okay. And for you as a researcher, but also as for the human being behind the researcher, what's the most important thing for you? Well, first of all, as a researcher, the most important, the most important objective was to make it clear to my peers in the vaccine industry, but also in global health and, uh, and public health, people that I've known very well, that I've worked with in the past, that there was something completely wrong about uh, the purpose of this mass vaccination and how to achieve, uh, let's say, things like uh, herd immunity. And uh, I could not understand that uh, there, for them, obviously, there was no single bell ringing. And so I wanted to make sure that I brought the arguments to the table that would make it very, very clear to them that it was impossible for these campaigns to have a happy end. So my first intentions were really uh, to make this very clear scientifically to uh, those who do have the expertise, because at the end of the day, I learned my job uh, in, the, in the vaccine industry, so that nobody could ever say, well, we have not known this, how could we know there was no precedent, we have done for the best, uh, there are clearly people who knew that this uh, was not the thing to do, that scientifically speaking, there was a high, high risk that uh, the objective of these mass campaigns would not be achieved and that on the contrary it would be it would be a real disaster now in the meantime my intentions have a little bit changed in a way that uh, since uh, we we haven't gotten any positive response to all these calls for an open and uh, scientific debate so when i mean an open debate it's a debate open to the public where uh, scientists could uh, openly debate and, and discuss with each other and uh, criticize uh, and, and challenge each other. Since that is not possible and since these mass vaccination campaigns are going on with um, now a lot of pressure, uh, obviously, uh, I, I, I concluded that the only way to turn the tide would be to make people aware of what's going on. As I was saying, this is a complex phenomenon uh, not easy to understand, scientifically complex. So it is really a challenge uh, to make people clear what's, what's going on because uh, from what they read, they cannot understand. Uh, the information is very, very confusing. So there is only one way, and which is to, to, to really explain people in, in, in terms that are understandable for them, but still, it is still about the science, why this is not a good idea and why 
these mass vaccination campaigns, including children, for example, at the end of the day are at high risk for their uh, individual health and certainly also for uh, public health.